Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chaskovsky here with Caleb Peterson. I had to go, I had to go anger bike. I just like biked up a hill um, because <laughs> I was so mad. I was up 20 goddamn points. Tyree Kill sucks. God damn it. <laughs> I'm so mad. And I, I thought I was going to be rich. <laughs> Fill an entire parking structure with that. Fill an entire baseball stadium. Yankee Stadium is filled with Lambos. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on the Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chiskovsky here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we'll be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors, and drama that you will want to hear about. And this week we have quite the loaded week to say the least. We'll be starting off by talking about the Pro Bowl rosters that got released earlier today. Still a couple players left to be named I believe, but other than that we've got a fairly good look at what both sides of the both AFC and NFC are going to look like. Then we'll get into Justin Fields potentially being traded and whether the Bears should go with him or Caleb Williams as it's looking like they've got that first overall pick. Then as we move into, we're going to talk about college football, which we don't talk about too much, but when the semifinals come around, I think we got to hit on it. So we'll be touching in on that. Moving into the NHL, the All-Star Game rosters mostly got released. We're just waiting on the fan vote, but we'll be talking about the players we know will be going into it. Then in the NBA, we'll be talking about the OG Ananobi trade that sent him to the Knicks, as well as RJ Barrett back to Canada. Make sure to stick around till the end of this episode as we have a big announcement regarding next week's episode. So make sure to stick around for that. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Fresh Take Network, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter as we have new content coming out each and every week on each and every one of those platforms. I said that a little weird. Caleb, are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. Uh, so as the NFL season winds to a close here with week 18, the Pro Bowl rosters have been announced. Um, there's quite a few interesting names, quite a few interesting omissions. As a Seahawks fan, I have a decent amount to say about my team and perhaps not all positive, but we'll, we'll get to that eventually. We'll kind of go through each uh, segment. We've got offense and defense for AFC and offense and defense for the NFC. Uh, we'll just kind of go through, talk about anything we find notable, any players that we think we should have been included, any players we're surprised that were included, and we'll kind of we'll go through like that. So, Simon, we'll start off with the AFC offense. Is there anything that kind of jumps out to you about that roster? Um, not really, to be honest with you. Like, it just seems like a lot of, a lot of obvious ones. The one thing that I pointed out to you before the before the podcast was the Travis Kelsey pick because I felt like all year I've been hearing that uh, he's just been having a down year, but I guess I was wrong on that one. Other than that, I mean, I don't have much to be mad about here. It seems like pretty clear-cut, at least to me. Yeah, I think I think the ones that are... With with Kelsey, I think it's... Um, again, because we kind of we talked about this before... Uh, the podcast Kelsey being the starter is a little bit interesting because he he definitely has been having a down year. Um, that's been a big thing that he he hasn't really performed up to the standard, and that's part of why um, the Chiefs aren't doing as well because Mahomes doesn't have any receivers and he doesn't have Kelsey as the same level of safety blanket. He's kind of showing a little bit of his age, and he's not playing quite to the same level. But um, he's still I I'm it's it's one of those selections I'm not totally mad about because I'm like. Who do you replace him with? Is yeah, the question, and, and that is the tough the only thing. the only other player I can I can think of is like would he, like Mark Andrews on the Ravens, but he's injured, 
Um, maybe like like if you're looking for more deep cuts, like Pat Fryermuth on the Steelers. Um, but other than that, you're you're not looking too far. I would maybe switch around uh, Njoku and Kelsey to get Njoku as the starter. But um, other than that, it doesn't look too bad. Yeah, I feel that's like not, I've heard a lot more I'm, about I... Njoku than I have Kelsey this year. That's other than the Taylor Swift shit. But like, I that's more why I'm shocked He's about been Travis a Kelsey. Fantastic year. Yeah, well, that's why I'm more He's shocked about the Travis Kelsey. I feel like I've been hearing more about him off the field than I have on it, which just I don't know. Yeah. Like, obviously, they couldn't really leave him out, I guess, right? Like, that's one of those picks where, like, it's hard to leave him out just because of the year he's been having <laughs> having off the, off the field. Because, but. Well, and he's still... Um, the other thing is, like, it's another thing I said to you before the podcast. It's um, a down year for Travis Kelsey is still a fantastic year for anybody else. Yeah, um, for sure. So... Like, Travis Kelsey still has, I believe, the second highest receiving yards for a tight end this year, only behind George Kittle. So, he's still having a decent season. It's just normally we wouldn't even see him second place. That's that's the kind of thing where it's like, it, he is having a down year for his standards, but um, in terms of everybody else, it's it's still not shocking that he gets that spot. Because the other... The other um, Evan Ingram potentially could could have got the spot but um i don't know if he's been that consistent in order to get that um and joku is also up there and after that in terms of afc tight ends it's not there's not really any other competition so that makes sense in terms of of that choice yeah and fair enough like i think uh like i said it's pretty clear cut like the best are the best you're not gonna be shocked by a lot of the major picks on here i think uh i don't know i feel like i guess i this is where my nfl casual is going to come out a little bit on how little i've been able to watch this year but i feel like i haven't heard a lot about amari cooper like uh unless he's just been having an incredible amari year cooper has had back. a fantastic okay year. well there you go like yep. uh that's the one that sticks out to me it's he... just like i feel like i hadn't heard a lot about him but Again, he recently set the Browns' single-game uh, receiving yards record. Well, there you go. Shows how little I've paid attention this year. But, uh, yeah. like, other than that, yeah, like you said. 200, 285 receiving yards in a game on Christmas Eve. Well, there you go. Like it's... He's had 1,250 one, 1, yards on the year so far, uh, five touchdowns. Yeah. And that sounds about right. Like, it's just, other than that, Nobody on this list really sticks out to me as somebody we really need to be that shocked about. Like, it's just, these are the best guys in the NFL. <laughs> well, there's there's one. Um, and I'll pose this question to you, Simon. Um, okay. I have my own opinions on this. Um, but do you think that Mahomes should be in the Pro Bowl? Right, okay. So... I'd have to pull up his stats. I do two, not have Tua and Lamar are pretty. Two, Tua and Lamar are pretty pretty solidified. The the one, the ones that you're probably looking at are are is that guy like Josh Allen. Yeah. Well, Josh I mean that's Allen been the conversation probably, all year yeah. long about the fact that Patrick Mahomes just hasn't been having as good of a year, right? So I think, I mean I don't know. Like what is what is what type of season has Josh Allen been having? I guess because I I don't have his stats in front of me he it's been i mean it's been like the bill season it's been very up and down um but he's still 
I think the stats don't fully tell the whole story um, in terms of Josh Allen because he's still been kind of willing his team to wins a lot of the time. Because the other thing you have to think about is the Chiefs have a significantly better defense than the Bills do. Um, and so that's kind of been propelling them to do a lot of wins. Um, I think performance-wise, I think Josh Allen has outplayed Mahomes, and I do think the Mahomes name kind of got him that spot, if I'm if I'm being honest. I do think Josh Allen probably should have made it in over Mahomes, even though I think Josh Allen's interception numbers are, are pretty rough this year. Um, it's still... Uh, yeah. It's still kind of... I think outweighed by just the overall like if you're if you're watching the games from week to week he's putting a little bit more out there for you in terms of actually providing a good contribution to his team yeah and looking at Mahomes it's about what I expected not even 30 touchdowns on the season like it's it's just a down year for him like he just hasn't looked like Mahomes right and that's the big thing where like if you're we just, at, I think at this point, we've just learned to expect more from him. And at certain points this year, he's just been bad. Like, it's as simple as that. He's just not been good. And I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm curious on, it'd be hard to leave him out, I guess. Like you said, Josh Allen is the main other pick. Like, is there anybody else that you can really think of that would maybe be able to take that spot from him? Uh, honestly... This is a little bit tougher. I could say my only other... The difficult thing about quarterbacks this year is that a lot of them have been injured. So yeah. I'm like, if I'm looking at a lot of these other teams and I'm thinking, who are the star quarterbacks? They've either had... In the AFC, they've either had down years or have been injured. Like Justin Herbert, injured. Um, you're looking at uh, Joe Burrow, injured, obviously. You're looking yeah. at even it's a little bit more of a stretch but like Deshaun Watson injured Trevor Lawrence um is currently he is a little bit more kind of on the mend um and also has had a little bit less of a successful year but also currently injured um and questionable to play in their next game so it kind of limits your options Josh Allen is the big one that's the big snub the other one the only other one I could think would be CJ Stroud that would be my only other case I could make to put him yeah. over a guy like Mahomes. And that one's tough, right? Because he's had such an incredible rookie season, taking the Texans from one of the worst teams in the NFL to... I be, are, Do they have a playoff spot yet, or are they still fighting for it? I know they're close. No, they're basically... They're basically... They play their last game against the Colts, and that one is basically winning in. Okay. And that's, if they, that's if they lose, if they lose, they're out. If they win, they're they're in, and they could still potentially steal the division from the Jaguars. Jeez, like they're, I don't know. It feels weird to even have him out, right? Like having three quarterbacks in this situation where there's not really anybody who jumps off the stat sheet at you is just kind of, I don't know. It feels a little odd. I'm definitely with you on that one, where it's like. Patrick Mahomes is going to make it in because he's Patrick Mahomes, but he definitely hasn't had the type of season that we expect from him at this point. So, I don't if know. If there was any year for Mahomes to miss a Pro Bowl, it would have been this year. Because yeah. I feel like you know that the Chiefs are... The Chiefs aren't a stupid organization. They know what their problems are. The problems are with the Chiefs are as obvious to anybody who's watched any of their games. It's that Mahomes has no weapons. Um, when, when Rasheed Rice is your number one uh, targeted player... You have issues. They're going to go out in the offseason. They're going to get some more guys. They're going to overhaul um, things. But, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it does show 
how consistent he's been over his career, and it's not like he's had... If you just look at the stats, it's not like it's the, the biggest kind of evil in the world, and I'd say he's probably quarterback four, but I'd probably have a guy like Josh Allen in over him. Yeah, and that's that's fair, I think, in this type of situation where, like, really, I don't know. Like, I, I agree with you. I think he just doesn't deserve We can move on. I think we can move on to the rest of the players on this list because we have a we have a lot of other things to touch on here. Do you want to move on to the AFC defense? Sure. Okay. Like, uh, I guess we can start on your side because I feel like you're going to have more to say on uh, who sticks out to you on this one, on who who deserves it, who doesn't. So, is there anybody who sticks out to you? Um. A lot of these are, I, I'd say, I love seeing Kyle Hamilton get a spot. That feels like a great way to recognize a young player who's kind of been flying under the radar a little bit. Um, has gotten a lot more recognition in the later weeks, but he's been playing really well. First round pick from, I think, a couple of years ago. Um, has been fantastic, so it's great to see him get a spot. Um Jalen Ramsey is an interesting addition on there, not because he doesn't deserve it, because I think he absolutely does. I think it just speaks to how well he's been playing because he earned that spot with uh, after missing like the entire first half of the season with an injury. So that by itself is impressive. Um, Sauce Gardner is an interesting one. That feels that one I might debate a little bit. That feels like a little bit of a name recognition thing, just because he's. Um, not clearly not had the same season that he had when he was a rookie but it's not to the point where i'm like i i think he shouldn't deserve to be on there it's sauce gardner he's still played well it's just not i would maybe switch him out i wouldn't have him as a starter like he is now i'd switch him out for a guy like jalen ramsey um other than that like this afc defense it, it really goes to show you how talented this conference is as a whole there's really no surprises on here um because it's like a lot of these are just like have been locked since the start of the um, season, right? Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, TJ Watt, um, Patrick Sertan, Minka Fitzpatrick. You knew those guys were going to be on this roster, barring an injury from week one. And they've backed it all up. So there's 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 honestly not a lot I can talk about other than those few guys that I'm um, pleasantly surprised to see on there. There's no guys on there that I'm really like, oh, like they don't really deserve their spot or I think they've that people have been snubbed that's kind of where i'm sitting at yeah yeah and i i agree with you just looking at it i i think that t that really reigns true with this team though like i think it's cool to see a lot of the newer names you pointed out kyle hamilton that's a really good one it's a good mix of young players and like players who are kind of like no shit <laughs> yeah of course miles yeah. garrett was gonna make it here of course tj watt was gonna make it here i i agree with you on that one it's always nice to see a lot of these younger players get the opportunities and uh i i can't really think of anybody who really got snubbed at least not no one that sticks out to me so i'm not mad about it at all i don't have as much to say on this i don't think yeah it feels like it feels like the out of all of the sides of the ball we're going to talk about in terms of like afc offense nfc offense like all that stuff this feels like the most no-brainer like yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty clear yeah, for sure. Well, where do you want to move here next? Do you want to go straight to NFC offense? Sure. Okay, let's do that. Like, uh... Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. This one, I feel like... I was going to say, because we're both Seahawks fans. I think we're both going to have more to say on what's going on in the NFC. Brock Purdy. 
Ugh. Nasty. Yeah. So, okay, like, obviously Brock Purdy's had a, a fantastic season, but putting him as the best quarterback in the NFC, like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I've had I've had this debate again and again and again. Uh, Brock Purdy, I don't think is anything fantastic. I think if you put Brock Purdy on any team other than the Niners, that he's going to kind of completely crash and burn. Um, it's it's the Kyle Shanahan thing, right? Kyle Shanahan is a fantastic coach, and as much as I hate to admit it, probably the best in the league. I think if you put me back there, I could probably throw for like <laughs> two thousand yards just because of how great his system is and how good he is at scheming up like these freaks of nature he has back there in Debo Samuel and yeah um, Brandon Ayuk. So it They've is kind so of interesting weapons that's for sure yeah it's kind of interesting for me wide receiver pro bowl nods are always kind of rough because there's so much talent at the position that having only four spots feels like you're gonna be inevitably leaving someone out um so I'm like I would almost rather have a guy like Brandon Ayuk, who has been having a fantastic season, or Debo Samuel, um, a little bit less so. I'd probably put Ayuk in over Debo, but um, seeing Ayuk in there over a guy maybe like Mike Evans, that would be uh, probably what I'd like to see in terms of 49er selections. I Brock Purdy deserves to be in there. He's had a great season. I just don't think he deserves to be the starter. Um, a guy like, I think Dak Prescott kind of deserves that spot over him. I don't yeah. know if there's anything that jumps out to you about this this roster, Simon. Well, That's kind of what catches my eye as a Seahawks fan. Yeah, I don't know. Not nothing anything nothing too crazy, I don't think. I, I think it's gonna be you who's gonna have a lot more to say on a lot of these. I've I've been hearing you you pointed out the wide receiver room being a pretty competitive section of the NFC this year, and that's what I've been hearing online. A lot of people are mad about Amon Ross St. Brown not making it over Puka Nakua, which is a conversation we kind of had before, just about how the fact that you can't you can't really leave Puka Nakua off this roster, I don't think, especially after the season he's having. Like, I, as of right now, depend, this, this podcast should come out before they play, I believe, but uh, he's like 30 or 40 yards off the record, which is pretty yeah. bonkers. It's, it feels very, it would feel very strange, I think, to uh, leave him off the roster, that's for sure. He absolutely deserves to be on there. Um, with the kind of season he's had, as a guy who is technically the second receiver on the on the roster, like, absolutely fantastic. I hate the Rams with uh, the passion <laughs> of a thousand suns, but even I wouldn't be able to say, yeah, no, you put Amon Ross St. Brown in there over Puka Nakua. Amon Ross St. Brown is a great player, but there's four wide receivers. It's the four best receivers. C.D. Lamb, absolutely. A.J. Brown, absolutely. Mike Evans would be the one I'd argue, honestly. Um, he's had a really good season, but it's a tight, again, it's a tight competition. He'd be the one who I'd be kind of pushing out there. I think Puka Nakua definitely as a case is the third best receiver in the NFC this, this year, but it's tough because there's so many talented players at receiver. I think, I think there's more talent at receiver than there is any other position in the league, quite frankly. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have, I, I think I have two more points. The rest of this feels pretty chalky the offensive line is always like okay yeah trent williams lane johnson panay sewell cool um the rest of these guys are all pretty chalky picks and it yeah it's all like the mainstays that have been there for 10 years zach martin jason kelsey no shit like we know they're gonna be there <laughs> um i think i think the two questions i'd have for you simon is one what do you think about for i'll start with this what do you think about the inclusion of matthew stafford as the third quarterback over 
potentially some other players. You've got Jalen Hurts, potentially. You've got Baker Mayfield as a surprise pick, or a guy like Jared Goff, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Stafford's another guy who I haven't heard a lot about this season. I, 24 and 11 on the year. Not bad numbers, nearly 4,000 yards. Like, um, I don't know. Obviously, there's the conversation of the wide receivers he keeps churning out into incredible players. Obviously, uh, like, with the season Puka Nakua's having, obviously he has to have a pretty good quarterback thrown to him to have a season like that. But, uh, I mean, it's not bad. It's a little shocking, I guess, just because he's another, like I said, he's another guy who I feel like I haven't heard about. Like it feels like this is the first time I've heard Matthew Stafford's name in a in a minute, and in that sense, it feels a little weird. But I mean, if he's having a good enough year, he's having a good enough year, right? It comes just comes down to that. And I think he, I think he has. I brought it up because I do think it's one that's kind of borderline. But I agree with the decision. Um, like Jalen Hurts um, is the other big name quarterback, um, but he obviously with how the Eagles have just had the bottom completely fall out on them which isn't all Jalen Hurts' fault but I understand why that can lead you to say he probably doesn't deserve a a pro bowl nod at this point um yes Stafford's at the point where he's he is just executing everything to perfection like he is a perfect like one of the prettiest balls you'll see um from a quarterback like his ball placement is excellent like just he looks so comfortable in that Sean McVay system at this point. Um, it's it's not that surprising to me, but I'm, yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's I one think of those picks the season, that I guess yeah, that that's a really good way to put it. Actually, before the season, it would have felt very odd, but now it's kind of like, well, I mean, and the the competition also isn't very stiff. That's also a very good. Point. Jalen Hurts yeah. would be the only other one. But like, the bottoms dropped out of that whole team. That whole team is in complete freefall, so it doesn't shock me. Um, and then um, Baker Mayfield is a sneaky one. If, because they always have Pro Bowl like alternates, right? I don't even know if those have been announced yet. But they always have like, um, let's say Dak Prescott and the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl. Dak Prescott can't play in the Pro Bowl. I would love to see a guy like Baker Mayfield take a spot because I think Baker Mayfield has had a sneakily fantastic season and I have been you can go back to the first episode of this podcast we've done. <laughs> That's I true. I have been a Baker Mayfield supporter <laughs> since day one and I oh. felt like he got a bad rap and he had like um, he if you've been, been around throwing, since Baker Mayfield since versus Kyle Trask leave a yeah. comment. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, um Honestly, like I, I think that he deserves his flowers a little bit because it's another name recognition thing, right? Because I do think like a lot of these choices have been made like well, like putting a guy like Puka Nakua in who's literally a rookie, like it shows that um, voters know what they're doing at least a little bit in terms of actually watching the games this season and seeing who the best player actually is. But there is a name recognition thing to to some of this, and Baker Mayfield's name has been not associated with good quarterback play for the last two or three years. Um, but I think it's time for that to change because he has been a better quarterback for the Bucks than Tom Brady was, at least in the oh. last couple of years of his uh, tenure. So <laughs> That's, yeah, twenty-eight has, touchdowns, ten be- picks, almost four. He has had a better connection with Mike Evans than Tom Brady did his entire time in Tampa Bay. Yeah. If you if you look at Mike Evans' receiving stats, that that shows up. So 
And I mean, I, looking I at looking at the numbers, I don't disagree. To make a case for my guy Baker. Yeah, I mean, he's had a sneakily fantastic season. And remember what people were saying about this Bucks team. I saw everybody projecting, including me, frankly. Yeah. Um, even yeah. though I was a Baker believer, I didn't predict them to be very doing very well. I don't think you did either, Simon. Everybody kind of Probably wrote not. them off, and now they are basically they they're not in the playoffs yet. But all they have to do is beat the Panthers. That's they're in the playoffs. Come to bite me, and they're going to lose. But that's, ba- yeah. that's basically they're basically in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, like, I get what you mean. Isn't that isn't that such a that that that'll be my that, that's my case. Um, I see them putting in Matthew Stafford over him. I'm okay with that. But if if one of those three guys, which they probably yeah. will, one of those three guys goes to the Super Bowl, put Baker in. Yep. Just just do it. That's my that's my. No, I, I like those picks. I like that opinion too. Like it, he's having one heck of a year. It's hard to really have anything against him at this point. Like he he really. I mean, is there anybody else you can really think of offensively who is going to have a better shot at comeback of player of the year over Baker? Well, the comeback player of the year was decided last December, so. I guess. I guess. With, with DeMar Hamlin. I guess. I guess. Also, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Oh, that's a good point. Could... Yeah, Joe Flacco is another really yeah. good pick. I guess. That's a very good but point. But I, I do He's think, gonna have some I do tough think Baker Mayfield but... should. I do think Baker Mayfield should win that award. Yeah. Um, but before we move past the offense, I do just want to say one thing about the running backs. I think they're all perfect choices. Like, I, I'm not going to debate against any of these. CMC, DeAndre Swift, Kyron Williams. It's just really frustrating that the Seahawks haven't been good enough to let Kenneth Walker um, get a spot. Because I do think, honestly, Kenneth Walker, as someone who has... Um, I don't think the stats show it this year because he's been injured and the Seahawks run blocking has been absolutely atrocious. But in terms of all of the running backs that I've seen in a Seahawks jersey, including Marshawn Lynch, he is the most talented running back that I've ever seen play for this team. Wow. I think he's, I think just in terms of Marshawn Lynch, wasn't about that kind of, he wasn't talented. He was, he was, he was a, he was a bulldozer. Yeah. He will truck you and he will he's not going to go down. But in terms of elusiveness in open space, um well, even and going just turning into, something out of nothing. Yeah, even going when he was entering the NFL, the comparison was Saquon. Like his whole career it feels like people have been comparing him to Saquon a little bit. And like I think if Kenneth Walker was in a bigger market behind a little bit better of an offensive line, um He'd have that spot locked up and would be among the top like five running backs in the league. It's it, it is a little bit upsetting how bad our run blocking this year is, just to completely overshadow him. He has been the best player on that offense um, in Seattle. Um, DK Metcalf may have an argument against him, but I would have loved to see him get a Pro Bowl nod. The issue is a lot. All of those guys have just frankly put up better numbers and had better performances this year and he's got plenty but of time a lot of that has to do with the the running black the a lot of that has to do with the run blocking that he's getting because yep. seattle literally doesn't block anybody on any play which is why um i'm losing all my hair frankly after watching them play for <laughs> this long but uh you want to move to yeah, defense that, that that that'll be my that yeah we can move on to defense i wanted to okay. give give my boy canine a shout out before we Going, yeah, for he's, sure. I mean, every time I've watched him, it's, it's a little upsetting he's super he doesn't athletic. Get his flowers. Athletic. Yeah. 
For yeah. this defense, we talked a bit before. I think you had a couple of things you wanted to point out. So I think uh, I think yeah. I'll just give you the opportunity to hit on a lot of those. Okay, so I am a Seahawks fan. If you didn't know, um, but that doesn't mean I want this Pro Bowl team to be full of entirely Seahawks because I don't think that's fair. If I'm looking at this roster, I'm like. I'm thinking of this Seahawks defense, and I'm thinking especially of them against Pittsburgh last week, where I saw this defense, uh, this uh, Seahawks defense get absolutely massacred by fucking Mason Rudolph, um, and basically lose their playoff spot because of that, because of how bad this defense is. For this defense to have three Pro Bowlers, that doesn't that doesn't sit right with me. Um, Devin Witherspoon is the only one that I'm like. That is absolutely um, warranted, and I think he should be even ahead of Deron Bland and Shervarius Ward, who I do think are good picks, but I do think Witherspoon has played better this year. And if he hadn't gotten injured and missed these last few games, um, I think he would be a little bit more in that conversation. And I think that injury is probably going to prevent him from being defensive rookie of the year, which is... That hurts me on the inside um, because he's been... Devin Witherspoon has been the best player on this defense um, by far. Um, this season so he's a good pick the other two are where it's upsetting Bobby Wagner ha- is not playing at a purple level he he is he is the biggest um, name recognition piece on this whole out of everything that we've gone through Bobby Wagner is the biggest name recognition only because he he does rack up tackles still but he is such a liability in coverage at this point because he is old and he is slow he was never good in coverage to begin with um, but he at least held up. Um, but this time, like, we're getting picked apart over the middle because Bobby Wagner is playing 100% of the snaps and he can't cover anybody. Um, so that feels like a little bit of a, an interesting placement for me. I think he's actually been one of the main problems with the Seahawks defense this year rather than um, one of the things. So, like, if, if you look at that, it's like, yeah, he, he, like, you can look at those stats that Simon just put up on the screen. Tackles, absolutely. Bobby Wagner, that's his, that's his thing. That's why he's going to the Hall of Fame and, and definitely should, because he's going to rack up those tackles. As a middle linebacker, that's your main job, right? But he is such a liability in coverage this year, um, even more so than he has been in the past, which is saying something, that he does not deserve to be a, a Pro Bowl linebacker. Um, an article from The Score mentioned Demario Davis as somebody who could have gone in ahead of them. I absolutely could have seen that. Um, I love Bobby. He's a Hall of Fame player. I just bought a Bobby Wagner jersey this year. I think he's uh, fantastic. One of my favorite Seahawks players ever. Um, so I don't say this to disrespect him, but uh, I don't really think he deserves that spot with how he's played this year. And then the last one is Julian Love. Um, who is, I think it's it's great um, in terms of he's kind of a player who doesn't get a lot of recognition. I think it's I think it's frankly hilarious that Julian Love gets a nomination because he was never intended to even start for us because it, it, the only reason he's starting is because of how point. injured slash bad Jamal Adams has been. Um, so I think that's really funny that our our safety we traded two first round picks for is not the Pro Bowl one, um, but. Uh, Julian Love has played really well this year and has frankly played above expectation, but I think he got a little bit buoyed by, because a lot of this is recency bias, right? Um, that fantastic game he had against the Eagles, he play, he was defensive player of the week. Um, 
that's where he got half of those four interceptions that you just put up on the screen. Yeah. Um, but and he's he's played really well. Um, but it just feels like a little bit of an odd choice when you can put a guy in like uh, Anton Antoine Winfield above him. That's where I'm set because Antoine Winfield has been fantastic for the Bucks and has played at like an all all pro level this year, and that's kind of. That's kind of where I'm like, okay, that's it's not as atrocious, I think, as putting Bobby Wagner in there when he's obviously been a liability. Julian Love, I think, deserves it. I think he's played better than a lot of people realize, but uh, he's kind of taking up a spot that should maybe go to a more deserving safety. Those are my those are my Seahawks rants. Other than that, this 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 roster doesn't look half bad. Um, the Seahawks are are other than Witherspoon are honestly kind of what stands out like a sore thumb here. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add about this this NFC defense. Um, no, I think you hit on it pretty well. I like I like you said, Bobby Wagner, a little bit of an odd pick there. I I was even thinking going into this year that he would not necessarily be the kind of player we'd seen in the past for a lot of obvious reasons. He's just not as good as what he used to be, and it definitely showed this year. So it feels a little odd. I definitely agreed with you, or I definitely agree with you. Like, maybe four or five years ago, we could have had the conversation that Bobby Wagner and Fred Warner should be put on the same list. But now, seeing them right next to each other feels very odd. So, I, I don't disagree with you at no. all. If you want to... Do you want to hit on special teams? Is there even a point? Most of these... Do you have any... Oh, are you boy. Mad I, can't about... wait. I can't wait. I, I, have, I have mad hot takes about um, the special teams. Actually, you know what? I do. I do. Screw, screw the people who picked the special teams. Um, okay, <laughs> so, I mean, Justin Tucker, yeah, that's fair. Okay, I don't care about the AFC. NFC. Okay. Um, okay, I, I have two takes about the NFC special teams. Um, first of all, Brandon Aubrey, fantastic. Um, Brandon Aubrey is a fantastic kicker and is probably going... If you don't know about Brandon Aubrey yet, he is the next, like, Justin Tucker-type figure in the NFL. Um, he has not missed a single kick in, uh, in his entire time in the league yet. Wow. Uh, so that's amazing. He is closing in on the all time. He already has the most consecutive kicks made to start a career and he's closing in. I think he only needs about 10 more to hit the all time record for like a kick streak. Um, oh my God. so he is fantastic. How long has he Former been in the league? MLS player. This is his first year. Okay, yeah, that's what I he thought. Is, he played. He played in the USFL for the Birmingham Stallions. Right. For two years. Yeah. Okay. No, he I was ha- also. Yeah. He was a first round pick for the MLS's Toronto FC, um, and then when that didn't work out, that's when he found his way to football, which makes sense. If you're a good soccer player, you're probably I mean, a pretty decent kicker. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. That's not what. That's not my. That's not my special teams hot take though. My special teams hot take is. Uh, Michael Dixon should be making the Pro Bowl every year. This is where my Seahawks homerism comes out. Michael Dixon is the best punter I've ever seen um, and is fantastic. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know who's voting in the punters. Like, I, I, I don't know. Watch the games. Like, I've watched enough Seahawks punting this year to really know how good Michael <laughs> Dixon is. They punt all the damn time. So I know that Michael Dixon is a Pro Bowl punter. If Like... I don't know. Has he made the Pro Bowl yet in his career? I don't even know. If he hasn't, he should have. Because he is honestly one of the only things that keeps me sane about this team. Because he routinely um, has just these rocket kicks that completely flip field position. 
Um, Brian Anger, I don't know. I haven't heard about Brian Anger in like ten years, buddy. Go back to. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what fucking punters. Anyway, that's my that's my special Go. teams hot take. Put Michael Dixon in the Pro Bowl every year. I this all this bullshit. Like last year, they put like the the Lions punter this? in. I don't I don't care. This is about to go nuts, Caleb. With our new fancy garbage that allows me to put stuff on the screen, we can now look at punt stats. Let's go. <laughs> okay, let's let's take a look. This is Michael Michael Dixon punting stats. This okay, is Michael yeah. Dixon so, punting stats. So yeah, it's like six sixth best punt average. I guess that's only the bet the thing you can look at. But look at that. Look like seventy. To be honest, punt. can I be honest Bro, with you? I, he only has one thing over under tenth. <laughs> Just pointed it out. He is like. Watch the punters. Watch the punters. <laughs> You're you all y'all ain't grinding punter tape like I am. <laughs> Get on my level. Oh. Michael Dixon only made the Pro Bowl in twenty eighteen when I think he was a rookie. He should have made the Pro Bowl every year since then. He's absolutely fantastic. Shout out to all um, the punters out there. That's for you. Punters are people too, maybe. We don't know. We're not sure. The only thing I know about punters is apparently they play a lot of ping pong, but that's, I mean, that's, really? apparently, I've heard that. Apparently, there has been players who have come out, whenever a kicker misses, they, I've heard players come out and go, they spend too much time playing ping pong. They should be practicing more. Really? I've heard that comment wow. made before. <laughs> ping pong is fantastic, though. I honestly don't it blame is. them. Oh, yeah, ping pong's a shit. I'm not very good at it, but watching people who are very good at ping pong is a very satisfying thing to do like it is it a is. lot of fun it's even like, when you're not good it's there fun. was a point so where fun. like a lot of people i knew got really into tennis and i never understood it if a lot of people i knew got really into ping pong i would understand that <laughs> it's so fun yeah it's so fun yeah no, ping I'm... pong is great i <laughs> At, at, at my old junior high school, we had a door that would lead into, like, a dungeon in the basement that was filled with, like, 20 ping pong tables. Oh, so, so whenever we got to do that, that was, like, I was living the life. I was going to say, that like, sounds awesome. It was fantastic. I remember there was, there was a year for Christmas, my whole family just, like, fucking played, like, a ping pong tournament, and that was our Christmas. It was the shit. But, yeah. Sounds like the best Christmas ever have like <laughs> yeah okay well next thing next segment end with punters and ping pong fantastic segment oh yeah big time who doesn't love punters and ping pong it's the name of this podcast so it's gonna be the name of this episode punters and, today. punters and i was gonna say punters and ping pong question mark question mark question mark <laughs> <laughs> all God. time punters and ping pong i was i was about to say like, uh, the, <laughs> so in the industry I work in, there is a large thing about how there's, I took a whole class on how to talk into a microphone just to like basically throw it out there and how to like talk in this. And there is something that is very well known called popping your peas, where if you're really bad at it, it'll really pop up. Like if you're like, hi, I am popping my peas. Can you hear that? Or is my mic taking it out? Like, it'll, like, pop oh, yeah. in the yeah. microphone, right? I'm terrible with it, which is why I pay attention a lot to my microphone placement when I'm doing any sort of announcing. But I was just thinking, God, that title would make 
half of my instructors roll in their graves. Like, <laughs> like holy smokes. Uh, anyway, let's move punters on. We've been talking about this for pong. 40 minutes. Punters and, punters and ping pong. There you go. One of the biggest stories in the NFL the last couple of weeks has been how surprisingly good the Bears have been. Uh, if you look, the, the Bears, obviously, at the start of the, the year, um, not great in terms... I mean, I think I still have an unpaid debt that gets even scarier. That the I've, I've really just dug myself an even further hole by having not jumped in the ocean yet, because it's now January. So, for all of you that oh, are upset oh, that yeah, I haven't done right. that... Um, <laughs> For all Holy of you that are upset shit, that I I've forgotten that, about that. <laughs> it's going to happen. Oh, um, oh my God. I think I've honestly just made it worse for myself, frankly. I think so. so Holy smokes. So I wasn't even thinking about that's that. That's okay. I made like a whole graphic okay. for that. Like our network posted it. Like that's, how did nobody talk, mention that? Like, how did we all just collect? You could have totally gotten away with it, Scott Free, if you hadn't brought it up right now. <laughs> Because I had I completely forgotten about that. That is so awesome. Thank you. I could have. <laughs> I I am a man. I am a man of my word, and I'm gonna do it. Like I I I just need to find the right time. Um, uh, and obviously at this, I'm point, making the this right a segment now. Just gonna be very. I need cold. to remind the people. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that I still need to jump in the ocean. I'm going yeah. to. I'm going to. You know what? Is it you even know what? safe to jump in? It, the it will be ocean in January. Like. I guess in Vancouver. It's not well, the same if place. I'm, if I come back on the podcast at this point, then like if I'm, if if there's a Simon solo podcast next week, then uh, <laughs> you know how that went. I'll just be having a podcast. My body's with a floating popsicle. into the Pacific. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we have a seg- We have a segment to do. We don't uh, need to anyways, talk about the lo- logistics. <laughs> the point about me. The point about me bringing up the uh, me jumping in the river was because at that point in the season, I thought the bear were so bad that there wasn't any possible way they could beat the commanders which at this point of the year seems very silly of me to have said because the commanders are dumpster fire um but the bears since maybe not since then but for the last few weeks have been pretty darn good they've pulled off some wins against um a lot of them a lot of them have been cupcakes you've you've got games against the cardinals you've got you've got your 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 classic kind of um bottom dwellers that they've fed on but they've also beat up teams that are close to being in the playoffs. You've got the, the beat the Falcons, they beat the Lions, they beat the Vikings, um, narrowly lost to the Browns. Like those are all great wins, all orchestrated by that man on the screen right now, Justin Fields. Which brings up the big dilemma, because the Bears just clinched the number one overall pick because of Carolina's loss. And with that comes the question, what do the Bears do? Do they stick with Justin Fields, trade out of that number one spot, potentially get an even bigger haul than they did last year um, with basically essentially trading away the rights for Caleb Williams, who is one of the best QB prospects we've seen since Trevor Lawrence? Or do they trade Justin Fields, try to get something for him now, and then start over with a guy like Caleb Williams or even Drake May as your number one quarterback. I'll leave that up to you, Simon. If you were Ryan Poles, Bears GM right now, what are you doing? Well, Justin Fields' whole career so far has felt very up and down. And I think 
if I was, if you're asking what I would do in his shoes, I think it just depends on how sold you are on Caleb Williams. I think uh, there's been a lot of conversation, especially this year, about whether he's even the best quarterback in the draft. I've seen that argument brought up once. Whether how legit of an argument that is at this point, that's up to you. It's no, it's no secret he's been a little bit more disappointing than a lot of people were expecting, and uh, I don't know, I. But you could make the same argument for Justin Fields so far in his career. Like, there's been a lot of points where everybody thinks he's going to become that elite quarterback that we even had him pegged to become at the beginning of the year, and he just doesn't do it, right? Like, it's just that type of, I don't know, right? Like, it's they have a situation where, I'd almost argue the Bears are in the perfect situation, where they can right now choose to move on from uh, Justin Fields, who has not been incredible. He's been okay but he hasn't been anything that necessarily makes you screams at you franchise quarterback so i think it just depends on how sold you are on justin fields and how sold you are on caleb williams i think if you're looking at what people have been saying about caleb williams almost his entire collegiate career i think you have to trade fields right that makes more sense but after this season i think it's just about how like like i said i keep hitting on it how high are you on caleb williams and is that enough for you to trade your current franchise quarterback. Yeah, and I think that is a good place to start because I do think that's probably what's going on in the mind of Ryan Poles right now because it really is you have to weigh... First of all, you have to weigh Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields. Second of all, you have to weigh um, Caleb Williams will be coming in as a rookie and Justin Fields has already had three years to get acclimatized to the NFL and get better which he has um so there's that part of it too that is obviously something you have to take into consideration um but if I am the Bears GM right now I also want to think about the return that I can get because this Bryce Young trade that the Panthers made I think has rejuvenated that Bears organization you get DJ Moore and you get the first overall pick So you're right, in terms of it is a win-win. Because either way, they're going to be getting something fantastic out of a trade for a quarterback that it's too early to call him a bust, but has not looked great in that Carolina offense. Um, So, if the question is, what would I do? I am firmly on the side of you keep Justin Fields. For a couple reasons. I think, first of all, um, this is not a knock against Caleb Williams. Like, I do think it's a fair point in term, that you make in terms of evaluating Caleb Williams in terms of how good you think he actually is. I think he's fantastic. Um, I think he is by far the best quarterback in the draft. Um, do you he think he's the best had a rough to ever throw football? Well, that's something that can be debated. Um, I, I like to stick up for myself a little bit. Frankly, if I, if I had, uh, <laughs> you're saying guy, if you had if you had, had his line and receivers, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I had the scholarship, like frankly, I I don't know. If I was in the states where they could God. have discovered my talent, I was gonna um, say unknown then, uh, Albertan talent. <laughs> exactly, God, straight out of the backyard football league. Yeah, it's like, come on. They'd, the name Peterson would be emblazoned on the back of a Bears jersey right now. They'd already be selling it in the shops. But uh, he's a he's a pretty good substitute for what we can get. He's a That's decent, 
Caleb, Caleb represent. At least he spells it right. At least he spells it right. If he spelled it with a K, he would be my worst enemy, and I'd hope he goes undrafted. But he spells it with a C, so he's cool, and I'm okay with it. That that has um, to be a European with him being the number one pick. The Caleb with a K. Spelling it with a K. I don't even know. People who have Caleb with a K are weird. If you if you are Caleb with a K, okay. stop watching the podcast. We don't want you okay, here. Buddy. I'm just let's, kidding. Let's, um, let's call I'm, let's call the Jets a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Caleb's with a K. You're welcome here. I just hold a little bit of a grudge. Anyways, that's not the, the topic at hand. Um, I do think you keep Justin Fields, and I don't think... It's not because I don't like Caleb Williams as a prospect. I think he's fantastic. However, I think everybody knows that he's fantastic, and I think the haul that you can get for that number one pick is going to be something unlike we've ever seen. Because for these top draft picks, you have to overpay, Right? We saw it last year with Carolina. Carolina gave up their first round pick because the Bears just moved down to pick nine, right? They moved. They only drop eight spots, but they also get DJ Moore, a bona fide number one wide receiver, and their first round pick next year, which turned into number one. And that is for Bryce Young, who is a not who is a worse prospect than Caleb Williams is. Can you imagine what you're going to get for Caleb Williams? Yeah, that, that is kind really of the conversation, is going though. to be astronomical. And I don't think because we haven't really reached draft season hype yet, because these guys um, like Caleb Williams is going to be talked up significantly more once we don't have actual football to watch. People are going to start watching the tape and realize if they don't already, which they do, how fantastic he is, um, because he is the kind of like Trevor Lawrence generational prospect that we've seen. Um, Bryce Young simply isn't on the same level. Um I think just because of that haul you can get for Caleb Williams and how you can continue to kind of push that draft pick into the future. Like, imagine if you give that draft pick up. Like, I think here's the ideal situation. You trade down to three with the Patriots, get their first-round pick next year, maybe throw in another player. Um, Caleb, you're breaking my heart. Then... <laughs> you can't, you yeah, can't I know, give it's the not... Pats Caleb Williams. They can't keep getting away I... with it. <laughs> Simon, I don't think you know how realistic it is that that's 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 probably oh, what's gonna happen. I'm sure there's been talks about that for two years, buddy. <laughs> yep. Because uh, I mean, I mean, even if you look if you look at the uh, at how the draft is kind of playing out, because you got Bears, because the Bears are gonna are the reason I say they want to trade down to three is because I don't think you want to miss out on Marvin Harrison. That's the one receiver that you, I think you really yeah. have to get to pair with Fields if you want to build around him. Um, so you've got that. I think if you trade down any further past three, you're not going to get Marvin Harrison. I think that's the thing. But even then, getting a guy like Marvin Harrison at three, a first-round pick next year, and then maybe another couple picks and another player, another fantastic haul. And the Patriots will still, probably because of how atrocious that team is other than their defense, with um, will probably still be a top five pick next year, then the Bears are just like, that's so much better than trying to draft Caleb Williams and use that pick now. Even if he does become the superstar that he probably will be, Justin Fields, I think, is on that cusp right now. Um, so I think that's probably the best move for your team, and I think that's probably what they'll do. Yeah. Well, and I... At the very least, if he does go to the Patriots, Bill Belichick won't be there. Like, uh... I don't know if that's a yeah. little bit better. Like, uh, God, that's really interesting, though. That's a very good point. 
Like, uh, I, I'm curious on how accurate that is to how the Bears feel in their own facilities. Like, how sold do you think they actually are on Justin Fields? Like, because the, there has to be, the conversation that they've been getting is that they're going to, they're looking to get a second or a third round pick, or at least that's what the market is for Justin Fields. I wonder, like, how how much do you think that's got to weigh into this decision, too? Like, what can you actually get for Fields, right? Like, do you want to give up a guy like Fields when you're only going to get a second-round pick out of it and when you can get a lot no. more for trading away that Caleb Williams pick? Like, how much does that come into effect in this conversation? Yeah, because I, I, I think if you're the Bears and you're playing it smart, you want to play the odds. Um, so if you just look at it in terms of straight up what you're going to get, the one route, you get Caleb Williams and, let's say, at best, a second-round pick. Okay, Caleb Williams will probably be fantastic, but he could also flame out. Any quarterback can. Versus um, you keep Justin Fields, who I think is has more value than a second-round pick. You keep Justin Fields, you draft, um, and you just you essentially just give yourself more cracks at the can, right? Yeah. Mar- Marvin Harrison, all these draft picks can flame out, right? But Marvin Harrison is a pretty sure thing that even if he doesn't work out, then you have your next year's first round pick that you've now gotten in this trade. Like, it just kind of pushes things further down the road in terms of um, we want to have the most shots that we can to get blue chip players. And I think Justin Fields is a blue chip player. And I think Caleb Williams has, the, has higher potential than he is. Caleb Williams is a better prospect than Justin Fields ever was. But you can't say that Justin Fields isn't playing at a level where he has that superstar potential in him. Because there's just one or two or three things that he does every game that make you just say, this guy's special. And there's some things that need to be worked out. He holds onto the ball too long, all that. But all of that can be worked out with better supporting cast, with um, just training in that over the offseason. He's gotten better each year he's played. Um, And so um, if I'm looking at the Bears and I'm looking at that return, like you said, like a second-round pick... I'm weighing my options, and that's why I, I eventually go with Justin Fields. Um, but th- to your point, we don't know what kind of evaluation they have in, the, in the, your room. Maybe like they don't. Said, he's maybe they don't see him times. as a superstar. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, but you gotta wonder if, like, like you said, at times he's really shining. You gotta think in the back of their heads, like, what if we draft this Caleb Williams guy, and he sucks? Like, obviously, you he looks like a sure thing of a prospect, but that's been said before. Like, what if you draft Caleb yeah. Williams, and he's just bad. He doesn't translate to the NFL, and then you trade Fields to, let's say in this scenario, he goes to the Patriots, right? Let's just, like, throw it, throw out a team like that. Or he goes to the Seahawks. Or he goes to the Seahawks, right? Like, let's say he goes somewhere like that, and he just excels. Like, and he just, like, turns into that quarterback that the Bears were thinking that he would be when they drafted him. And all of a sudden, the Bears looked stupid as hell, like, and just caught going, like, well, now our quarterback is this Caleb Williams guy who suddenly forgot how to throw a football. Like, you got to wonder if maybe that's the conversation in that room. Like, you got to weigh the risks and rewards. Do you really think Caleb Williams is going to be the this generational talent? And do you really think Justin Fields is going to pan out? Because if you think Caleb Williams is the next Patrick Mahomes and you don't think that, like, uh, and you don't think that uh, Fields is that guy, or at least he's not going to be as good, trade away Fields, right? 
But it's just, I think it totally just comes down to what your expectations for Williams are at that next level. Do you really think that he can be the thing that takes over the NFL for the next 10 years, 20 years? Yep. And, yeah, I mean, if if you're the Bears, because you make a great point, because, like, painting that scenario of trading fields somewhere else and he's fantastic and Williams sucks, that's a real possibility. Yeah, um, especially well, I mean, for the Bears. Think about it like this: I, you pointed out Bryce Young. Like a, a lot of people thought that he would be the most, like, or at the very least, out of all these rookie quarterbacks that came in and started this year, he would be the one with the best chance to exceed at that next level. And so far, it's almost been the opposite. Yeah. Almost every single He's rookie been, he was who started has. Yeah, exactly. But like almost every single other rookie, when they've been on the field, has outplayed him. And I think that totally yep. just shows the risks here and why I almost, after having this conversation, I'm almost leaning towards where you are. Like, maybe you don't want to, you don't want to take that risk. Yeah. Um, but the Bears have to be, Bears fans, honestly, like, like you said, it's a win-win. It's, it's only good things. Like, um, it, it's a very great situation to be in and a great way to reboot a franchise. But if you're Bears fans with the history of quarterbacks that they have, you have to be scared shitless. I saw an Instagram comment um, on some sort of random post about this the other day that I think summed it up pretty much perfectly. Um, and there's no right there. There's really no right decisions, but you can be sure that the Bears will make the wrong one. And like for <laughs> Bears fans, that has to be terrifying, right? Because yeah. you can just so easily see that happening, where either they trade away the Caleb Williams pick and he becomes the next next second coming of Mahomes. And the um, and the Bears are just like left wondering what if again, um, because I believe it was I believe it was the Trubisky draft that Mahomes was in. Yes. Where they passed up on it Mahomes was. to get Trubisky. It was. You're right on that. So they could they could be left they could be left with that situation again, um, which would just be heartbreaking. Or you can trade away Fields, who you already had in the building for three years, and he becomes the next superstar quarterback. <laughs> It's just it. It's a it's a good conundrum, but it's still a conundrum, which yeah. is it, it's just well, it's the same it's thing so that we up. see in the NHL all the time with the goalie conversation, right? Where like Boston's had it for the last two years, they've managed to juggle it, but they're that's going to come to head soon with between Swayman and Allmark. It's just one of those things where you got two guys who are both very very good and good enough to be that top guy, but you don't want to get rid of one, right? Yep, because you can only have one on the ice or on the field at the same time, right? Yeah. I wonder, I, I almost wonder if it's smarter, if you're the Bears, to just wait and draft Williams, and then once you have both in your training camp or both in the f- system, you can just decide at that point. Like, that's just me spitballing. I don't know if that would actually be smarter. Yeah, but... I, I, did have, I did have that same thought, and it would be, it would be interesting. Um, but I do think that that, that uh, takes away some of the... Because I, I, I did have that same thought. And I was kind of playing through that in my head, but I think the one issue with doing that is you kind of tank his his Williams's trade value. The most you're gonna get out of Caleb Williams is if you trade him before he's even drafted. Because let's say you bring him into your room, and you think, oh, Fields is looking great. Um, he's not Williams isn't looking as good. Let's trade him. But what is that? What message does that send to other teams? Right? We don't want yeah. this guy anymore. Yeah, I guess. We've seen him in a room and he's not great. How I many guess. teams are going to want to pay the same ransom that they would have otherwise paid for him? That's the conundrum. 
That's yeah. the conundrum. And I think it just, yeah. Like, there's so many options here. The Bears are totally just just put in, they're put in such a bad spot that I just, I'm cur- I'm really interested to see where they're going to end up going with it, I guess. We're just going to have to see. Yep. It's a it's a good conundrum to have, but it's it's still a conundrum. Yeah. Of course, you know, like, the, the Bears are probably going to make the wrong move. And whatever happens, either way, they're probably going to make the wrong decision. But yep. for, for those fans, I hope not. Yeah, and for the next segment, we're gonna be talking. We're gonna continue with the football. This is a football heavy podcast. Who could have saw that one coming from us? That's a big shocker. We got NCAA coming up next. All right. So, continuing down the football road, we had the semifinals this weekend for college football playoffs between Washington and Texas, and Michigan and Alabama. With Michigan and Washington coming out on top. I was not able to watch either of the games, but I know, Caleb, you were able to catch both of them, and uh, you said that it was quite the game on both sides, from what I heard. So, what do you got, What yeah. do you think of it? It was it was some of the best football period that I've I've seen in in the last little while. After watching, especially. I'm going into this year, like watching a lot more college football than I ever thought I would, getting really into the story of this Washington team in particular. Like going from watching the Seahawks just completely die on the field against the Steelers to the next day being able to watch this Washington team look like such a great, well oiled machine, and these games just feeling like there's so much behind them, like they're, they're so important, and um, being able to go and, and watch these these teams who have never played each other like the the like Washington's never going to play Texas in a season normally um to just see these kind of like heavyweight juggernaut matchups come to fruition was fantastic and we kind of avoided what we normally see in college football where one team is in in these semifinals one of the big issues has been that um a lot of the times one of the teams is a true powerhouse and the other one's just kind of snuck in on an easy schedule and they get like blown away 63 to 7. That was not the case today. Um, I'll kind of go in and, and another point to say about these matchups is the last time we'll see this format um, in terms of having only the top four teams make it. And we talked about this a little bit in our Florida State episode um, or our Florida State segment. Um, but they're going to expand to 12 next year, um, which I think will be great, but this was certainly a good way for the, the four-team playoff to, to work out because both of these games were fantastic. I'll, I'll, hit, I'll, I'll let you chime in, Simon, just in, before we get into the actual games. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that expansion into the 12-team into the 12, 12 format versus just having the four? Do you think that's something that will, will be of benefit to college football? Well, Even again, just from, I, like, an outsider perspective. Yeah, I feel like a broken record in this, where I just feel like, why wasn't it that from the start? Right? Like, it's just, yeah. it feels very strange that we that you'd limit, and I, I, again, broken record, I had to say the same thing. Why would you limit the games that are bringing in the most profit? Like, these are the games that people just go yeah. nuts for. Like, everybody's going to be watching on TV. Everybody is going to be going crazy for it. And you are limiting it to four games or four teams. Like, why? You're just wasting money. Like, you're just, you're not really maximizing, even if you're just looking at it from a business side, you're not maximizing profits, and you sure as hell aren't, like, just doing the best by your by your fans. Because, I mean, this 12-game thing is going to, like we mentioned, allow for a lot more teams to make the playoffs and allow for upsets, allow for a lot more situations 
that I think a lot of people are going to be really looking ahead to. And I, I think it's great. I, while, like you said, yeah. this is a good way to end the, the four game cause we're, or the four team. Jesus. Like, uh, this is a good way to end it, but it shouldn't have been a thing from the start is kind of what I'd hit on right away. Yeah. Um, and I completely agree. And I think it also solves a lot of the issues that we've been seeing, um, like getting more into college football. I'm seeing all of these other bowl games that don't really matter that are being played with all the teams that didn't make the playoffs and all of the star players are sitting and like the quarterbacks are like transferring before they even finish the season because they know the bowl games don't really matter for anything. This is going to open it up to where those top teams can actually compete at their fullest strength. Because otherwise you get games like Georgia-Florida State where Georgia wins by 63 because Florida State's playing their third-string quarterback. Or um, the even the Ohio State-Missouri game where Ohio State is playing their third-string quarterback because their, their regular guy transferred to Syracuse um, b- b- before the bowl game. Um, so I think that will solve a lot of that. We'll get we'll get in getting into the games. Um, I'll do like a quick little quick little recap of, of them. So Michigan Alabama, first of all, fantastic um, the first Rose Bowl that I've ever watched. That um, just seeing that kind of atmosphere in that stadium, um, absolutely packed in there as the sun kind of goes down. It felt like this huge event, um, and so especially with Alabama, even as a casual college football watcher, you know. Alabama, right? Like they're the ones that win um, literally every year because Nick Saban has done such a great job of building that program. But um, Michigan obviously ranked number one. Alabama hasn't had that same kind of season. And coming into it, it looked like Michigan was the better team. It's just that Michigan's special teams was atrocious. Um, Michigan muffs a punt to begin the game, gives Alabama an easy first touchdown. Michigan answers back, but then they have a bunch of um, miscues, they miss an extra point to bring it to 13-7 instead of 14-7. Um, just a bunch of little mistakes that keep Alabama in the game because Alabama's offense was absolutely terrible for um, most of the first half because their offensive line just couldn't get anything going. But after that, um, in the second half, they came out looking like a completely different team. They were able to actually take the lead before J.J. McCarthy and the Wolverines had this incredible drive to go and tie it, a pass that tipped off an Al- I've never seen this before. It tipped off an Alabama defender's finger, but it kept the spiral going. So all that it did was just deflect the pass higher, um, but the spiral is still there, it was still on target, but the Michigan receiver has to make this incredible leaping acrobatic catch to keep the drive alive. One of the best um, connections I've seen in, in any football game in recent memory. Absolutely incredible. Um, comes down to overtime, and maybe th- th- this is where I'll get I'll get you to chime in, Simon. Because um, I like look, how I just, just get to be the kid in the game. back who sl- occasionally raises his hand. This is fun. I get to just ride the bench <laughs> for this one. Oh yeah, no, it, this is fun. I, I I like yapping my mouth off about football, so this is this is great for me too. But um, obviously, this game goes to overtime, and I don't know. Do you know how the college football overtime works, Simon? Oh. If you know how the no. CFL overtime works, then okay. it's the same thing. Oh, okay, then yes, because I was gonna say it's the same where... as the CFL, where I know it lightly, but every time it comes up. Like, every time it happens in a game I'm watching, I learn again. It's that type of thing, right? Where it's just like... Yeah. So I kind of... I've kind of forgot, but I definitely did know at some point. 
Yeah, so it's each team gets the ball, each team is guaranteed the ball, which is not so in the NFL, unless it's in the playoffs. Um, each team gets the ball from the 25-yard line, and they it's basically a shootout. So if you score, then the other team gets the ball and has a chance to match. And then if they... If uh, the other team either like kicks a field goal or doesn't score a touchdown, the other team has an opportunity to go down and beat that score to win. Um, that's all that is. And you just go back and forth until there's an eventual winner. Okay. Versus the NFL where it's literally if you score a touchdown, you, you win, basically. And yeah. honestly, just watching this game, it's just so refreshing to see that kind of an overtime system instead of the terrible NFL one. And people that have been should mad be at the NFL out. one for a while. Like it's that's not new. Yeah, it's not. It's just really, it's really like seeing a system. It's a system that works, and I don't know why they haven't adopted it. Um, so yeah. So in, in this game, Michigan gets the ball first. They go down and score. Alabama, um, they get down to about the five, and they can't punch it in. Can you, Simon? Let me. As someone who didn't watch the game, it's it's fourth and three. Yeah. Fourth and goal from the three-yard line. Alabama, this is this is the game, right? Because Michigan's already scored a touchdown. Alabama needs a touchdown to keep the game going. What play do you think Alabama runs from the three-yard line, fourth and goal? Uh, I'm not sure. That's a good question. I I think the the obvious choice because it's this is a conversation. It feels like we have. Every time this happens because of a certain team that did a very similar thing, I think they probably passed it. <laughs> nope, they did not. Oh, they, they did actually not ran it. it. They, I was going to say, because that's they where I felt like ball. you were going you, with it. Can you guess which player they ran the ball with, though? Oh, um, wow. Not their running back. <laughs> I was about to say I was about to say, I don't. If you're asking for a name, I don't know if I can properly give you one. I'm not a big college football guy. But... If you give me a position, <laughs> what? <laughs> Did they run it with like a defensive tackle or some shit? Like, nope. They pulled a they pulled a quarterback dive. There you go. You pulled up the player on the screen, <laughs> Jalen Milrow. That's who. That's who they decided. Uh, Jalen Milrow, obviously, very athletic quarterback. Like he's he's um. A uh, great runner of the football, but pulling a quarterback dive on fourth and a quarterback draw on fourth and three, oh, terrible play call I was to end say, the game. That's a the lot snap. of yards to get, like against some defensive yeah. linemen. That's that's rough. Like I understand it if especially you when the Michigan defense line is so good. Yeah, that and like you see, you when Cam Newton was still in the NFL, for example, you'd see that every once in a while, where it's this guy who legitimately could have probably, you could have made the argument that that actually makes sense to do, but like I don't know much about uh, Alabama's quarterback in this situation, but I'm assuming he's not Cam Newton, just like wild shot in the dark. I I would argue he's not. He's he's a good runner, but he's no Cam Newton. Yeah. Like yeah, it seems a little odd to me. That's for sure. It's also it's also that Alabama's offensive line had been terrible, like they're not that that matchup is not one that they're looking to exploit. Alabama, uh, Michigan, I think had five sacks in the first half, if that gives you any perspective on it. Jesus. Um, so, but yeah, that's how Alabama finally gets out of uh, the playoff, and thank goodness, honestly, because I would not have liked to see another Alabama college football championship. That's just not fun. Uh, we'll move on to the Washington-Texas game, which was fantastic. Another 
another great game. Um, so this one kind of went back and forth. Um, Washington, their big thing is their offense. So they had Michael Penix Jr., who I think should, I don't know if he will be, but he should be a first-round pick next year. Um, Roma Dunze, his number one receiver, should also be a first-round pick next year. Um, absolutely just killing it. Michael Penix is one of the most accurate deep balls. It reminds me a little bit of Russell Wilson, like just with how accurate he is on some of those moonshots that he has. Um, I don't know if that's just the Seahawks fan in me talking, but it's absolutely incredible to watch. Um, so they, they kind of went back and forth. Washington had similar mis- special teams mistakes that Michigan did with another muffed punt, which was happening all day in both games, um, giving Texas the opportunity to tie them up at seven. They, they kind of shoot out back and forth. Um, the half that it's 21 21 at the half um, and then it ends up being this weird kind of tale of two quarters things Washington goes up by the end of the third quarter they're up 34 to 21 and at that point you're kind of thinking they've taken all of the momentum I think the yards the yards gained in the third quarter for two teams Washington had like 160 and Texas had about seven if that kind of gives you um, a snapshot of how badly Washington outplayed Texas in the last in the third quarter but Texas claws their way back um but they have they get their way within they're within nine and they have this long drive they try to get in for a touchdown but they get stopped they have to go for a field goal with about a minute 15 seconds left all and just because this is this is kind of fun just to to see how how in context, how some how dumb some of these decisions made by coaches are. Let's ask. Let's let's pull the ass Simon in terms of Ooh, if ask you're, you're Washington. True offensive coordinator of us all. Yes. Or, or is this offense or defense? This is offense. This is <laughs> okay. offense. So okay. you're looking at. So you're Washington. Yeah. You are up. You're up six. There's a minute and twelve seconds left in the game. Texas has two timeouts. What do you do? Uh, so Texas is up Texas by six. Only has... You have, they only have six. No, you, have... Washington. Washington is up Washington by six. is six. Washington okay. is up by six. What down am I? Washington on? is up by six. Or is this like what I first do for down. an entire drive? This is what do you do for an entire drive? First down, minute and twelve seconds left. Texas only has two timeouts to stop the clock. All right, I'll alley-oop you, son of a bitch. I'll run the ball. Okay, that is what they did. But oh, even okay. even a better <laughs> even a better scenario would be to you know kneel. Oh, that too. Because Texas yeah. only has two timeouts. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> but but Simon, that's that's follow. Normally, your your strategy would be a good one too, because running the ball is is relatively low risk, right? Unless this happens. So Washington runs it on first down. Texas takes a timeout. Runs it on second down. Texas takes a timeout. Then they run it again on third down. And Texas can't take a timeout, so it's uh, the clock's winding down. They would only have maybe about fifteen to twenty seconds left to go the entire field and score a touchdown. Pretty yeah. unlikely. However, because the Washington offensive coordinator followed your advice and ran the ball, yeah, he got the Washington running back, who had already been injured previously in the game, got injured again, which caused Washington to need to use an injury timeout. To stop oh, the clock no. oh, that and sucks. give Texas the ball with 50 seconds left instead of 20. And with that, Texas goes all the way down the field and gets to the 10-yard line with 10 seconds left. 
and they get a, a free four shots at the end zone from the 10 yard line basically and by some miracle washington is able to stop them a couple bad throws um um, an almost sack that he has to throw out of and then a fantastic play in the end zone that was kind of reminiscent of you know the classic richard sherman tip in the corner of the end zone um it's just a one-on-one cornerback bats the ball away washington somehow comes out on top it was one of those games it's like if washington had lost that game like i i don't know just the fact that they would have won that game very easily if their own player didn't get injured that kind of that kind of kind of stung even though they did win even though they did end up winning the game as they well should have they were the better team just even the fact that that's a possibility like that that was kind of it it put a lot more suspense in the game than there probably should have been but it it led to a very interesting ending that was yeah yeah I, i don't know what else to say about that one it's just like the the fact that that's even a rule that uh, you have to use an injury timeout there, even when the clock would have clearly run down to 20 seconds, that that part doesn't quite sit right with me. Yeah, and that is interesting, I guess. Like, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I do agree with you. But I think uh, I think this opens up a, a good way, a good point to end on, I think. Justin, if you had to pick, national championship has now been decided. You know who's going to be playing in it. Who do you got, Washington or Michigan? Well, I'm a I'm a very I'm a very biased uh, um, observer here because obviously I'm going to be cheering hard for Washington. Like they've had such a great season. Um, I think it'll be tough. Um, obviously, Michigan is is a fantastic team. I do think I think Washington will come out on top, just because I think their defense has been much improved, and I think in these close games. Washington just has so much experience um, winning in the clutch. Like, they've done it all year, all season. Um, they've had so many close games that they've had to pull out of, and I think um, they've had lots of great competition in the Pac-12 more than they normally do. So um, if I'm picking a game, I think it's going to be very close. I wouldn't be shocked if this one goes to overtime, but I think Washington pulls it out by a touchdown or so. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I I think um, it, it, the, the biggest matchup is... Um, if it's a high-scoring game, Washington wins. If it's a low-scoring game, that means Michigan wins because it's really all about um, Washington's offense versus Michigan's defense. I think Washington's offense is able to run up the score a little bit. I'm going to say it's like a 38-35 Washington win. Okay. At least I hope so. Yeah, I don't I don't have a prediction. I don't know enough about both teams. So I'll, I'll just agree with yours. Wow, Caleb, that sounds awfully smart. I'm going to say the same thing because I did my <laughs> research and definitely 100% know what I'm talking about, and think Washington is also going to win. Wow, who could have saw that one coming? And from the same score, or could, God. Or or you could or you could uh, you could keep the same score and then just say That's Michigan will win. That's an excellent point. So that you Michigan me look like an Michigan idiot. beats Michigan beats Washington thirty-eight nothing. Clock it in. Wow. Okay. Yep. Bet your money on him. We'll see who's we'll see who's right. We'll see who's right. No, knowing how this, no, knowing how this kind of thing works, it's probably going to be you. <laughs> oh, it always is. Yeah. After all, my college football not... knowledge will forever beat yours every time, one hundred percent of the time, because I know everything <laughs> about everything, and I, I'm the. You should follow my betting page because I, I, which I definitely have, by the way. I was actually told by a relative. I think I told you this, Caleb. I was told by a relative. 
who uh, who has been watching a couple episodes. Jordan, if you somehow made it this far into another episode, thank you for watching. But I'm gonna bring this up anyway. Jordan, my my cousin Jordan told me that I should we should do some betting stuff on here. We gotta turn it into a betting podcast. And I I just told him that neither me nor Caleb know anything about betting. So I think it would just be really funny. I think that we should add a new segment to the end of every podcast where we give our picks and then but we gotta keep a stat on how many we get wrong. To really show like we'll just like be where me and you are just super, super confident. Like pick this, become a millionaire type thing. Where we go and then we'll just have a stat at oh, the yeah. bottom of the screen where it shows like what me and you are, where it's, it'll be like I've hit on like two out of thirty six and you've hit on like three out of forty seven. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just have that kind of stat at the bottom and just be super overconfident about it i think that is an that would be an incredible idea for our, a segment our goal is to just be the worst betting podcast that's what i mean possibly that's what of. i mean like comically bad we're like we're be, like the caleb we're, we're you know the, my we're, prediction we're gonna be Oi, the will levis over 450 yards become a millionaire right now it'll happen I know a lot about how betting works. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're just going to be, we're going to become the Armand White of uh, betting. If you don't know who that is, uh, look him up. But that's bas basically the, the idea is, is that anything that is bad is good and anything that is good is bad. So if we pick something, <laughs> um, you have the easiest money in your life because you just oh, yeah. run to the opposite of whatever we say. That's, that's a very good point. I... <laughs> Because oh. because there's a it's true like even if 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 you're two out of thirty six and I'm three out of forty seven, that means that means you have yeah. about like a ninety percent hit rate if you just bet the opposite of what we tell you every wow. single time. That's a very good point. That means we're actually the best body. <laughs> I was gonna say, holy, we'd be making people a lot of money, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's like the Drake bet. That's what we are. We're we're like we're like betting against. <laughs> So when you're trying to figure out who you should bet for, first you look at who Drake dropped a million bucks on, and then you look at me and Caleb's picks, and then you'd make money. And you'd if, make if they line up, if if we if they line, line up, up oh Drake, god, put the house, slam the opposite. Yeah, put the house. Bet, bet your entire mortgage. Yeah. God, bet your kids. Like seriously, like what's what's the worst that could happen? Me being right? Seriously. Holy smokes! No. <laughs> Never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. That's what we gotta start doing. We gotta start doing a money line at the end of each podcast. Me and you both make our money lines for the week, just to like, just to see how bad we are at it. Cause I I've done this in my own head where like I'll watch a UFC event right, and I'll think, wow, I feel like I got all of those fights right, and then I'll like the next time I'll like count it, like I'll I'll write down my predictions and then count it in my head, and I'll go like one for six, and I'll be like, oh. Maybe I shouldn't be a better. <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. But yeah. Oh yeah. Tune in next time to the Trick Play Betting Podcast. It'll happen. Oh, it definitely will. Oh yeah, big time. So it is apparently a trend to release your All-Star Game rosters this week. We talked about the... This is, this is really an All-Star centric podcast. We talked about the Pro Bowl... And now we're going to talk about the NHL All-Star Game, because they just revealed not the full selection of players. We're going to do 
Um, another uh, to to tease it out a little bit to keep keep you coming back for more. Oh, we're yeah. we're gonna do our own little version of the All Star Draft um, once the additional fan voted players are in. So we have the full roster. Um, but the NHL did reveal their first 32 selections, one from every team. So we've got that full list of picks. So basically, who um, people think the um, yeah, so it's the league's Department of Hockey Ops. Um, who they think the best player on essentially every single team is. So, obviously, something pretty interesting. And um, I'll I'll leave that up with you, Simon. Um, I was going to ask of... on how you wanted to necessarily go through this because we have there's a there's a couple different ways we can we can uh, kill this pig. I mean, we can we can we can do it in a similar way we did the Pro Bowl in terms of just going east and then west and talking about any picks we find um interesting controversial well the main snubs, difference with whatever. the nhl is it's not east and west right so there's four divisions so i feel like we could do that we could just break it down by division okay i might have to find the list that i have is well, uh, just east and west i might okay well i can the beautiful thing about this incredible wow are you ready for this where where do we want to start do you think oh well you ready to see this fancy In thing that I can vision? do? Yeah, probably. Oh, I'm so ready. Let's 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 pull up the Pacific. Why not? You okay. don't want to bury the lead. I know you've got an Elias Lindholm rant sitting on I there. I do. Ha I do like... have an Elias Lindholm rant that I'm ready to go on. I already went on it once today. Shout out to Anand on his podcast. He may or may not be coming on next week to talk with us. Anyway. Whoa. Pacific we're, Division. We're we're, we're really like keeping it coming. Oh yeah, we're yeah. we're throwing it all out. We're gonna have our first guest next week. I was gonna wait till the end to announce that, but it's gonna be fun. Anyway, here's our Pacific Division. I kind of cut it off at the end, but that's all right. Anyway, our our names are uh, Frank Vitrano, I believe is how you pronounce it. Elias Lindholm, Connor McDavid, Cam Talbot, Tomas Hurdle, uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Quinn Hughes, and Jack Eichel. And for anybody who is unfamiliar. Uh, in the NHL, one player needs to be selected from each team. So there are still about 12 spots that are left to be filled by the fan vote, but these are the players that were selected to represent their teams officially. So we're going to just go down each of them and just figure out which kind of makes sense, which don't. I can, Caleb, if you need time to get your research and see if you have any of these that you're pissed about, I have one that I can say that I'm not necessarily happy about, and that's the Elias Lindholm pick. I uh, like yeah. I said, like I said, I already spoke on it. I don't think it's the right pick. I think there's a lot of players on this Flames team that have had an excellent season, and it feels like a very strange one to give it to Lindholm. He's he's been very very good for the Flames at certain points in his career. Like he's had a number of seasons over a point per game, and didn't get the All Star vote. So it feels very weird to reward him now just because we don't all. Our top scorers aren't necessarily big names. I'm talking about Blake Coleman. Nazem Kadri is the one right under him, who is a bigger name, but for some reason didn't get picked in this case. And even below that, you could talk about Mackenzie Weger. You could talk about... There's there's just a lot of other picks on this Flame squad that people are mad that they didn't make. And I think the, the big one to me that sticks out is Coleman. I think that if anybody deserved it this year, it probably was Coleman with how good he's been on both sides of the puck, this is the type of year where he's not going to have better. Lindholm is going to have much better seasons in, in the rest of his career. But Coleman is having a career year 
right now. He's having the best season he's ever had as a Flame. And if you were ever going to reward him with an all-star pick, this would be the year to do it. And it really sucks to me to see him get his spot taken away by a player who's having a down year. It just feels odd. Moving through the rest of the list, most of them make fairly good sense to me. The one the one uh, slightly off pick, if you want to just go by like star value, would be Frank Vitrano. Like I said, that, I... Yeah, that was, that was the one I was going to... I was gonna jump on there like okay um if if you want to if you want to um to just to your to your point about Lindholm like I completely agree and I think giving it to a guy like Coleman who's actually been having the better season feels a lot better because it's the same argument we had about the Pro Bowl where it's very much a name value pick the one thing I would say that if you're a Flames fan you can look at this and spin it positively is maybe say uh does that increase uh, a little Elias Lindholm trade value? And that, potentially? And that has like been the conversation we're... that has been had where it's almost like, I wonder if the Flames wanted him to go just so that to up the trade value a little bit. But it's, I don't know. Even that feels odd. I feel I... like he's getting the pick because he's the biggest name and sending Coleman just isn't as sexy. Yeah, I, I think so too. But I you, you do wonder how much say, because it's, I mean, it's kind of like a shadow council type pick, right? in yeah. terms of how they actually make these decisions how much like i wonder if they're the flames higher ups can kind of like poke and prod them a little bit to be like <laughs> not even just like saying like hey, Pickling, that that, like, that feels stats, like well i and the one thing that i kept that i read once that it is exactly what you said where it's almost like you got to wonder if maybe this is just craig conroy's way of being able to advertise that he has a all-star on the market right like it's just yeah. that type of thing where it's just which i don't know it feels very odd to me to really be making because i don't understand how they would even i don't understand how these players are picked i guess like is it yes I, and i think it, like i mean it, it just says it's the department of hockey ops so it's like it's just that a, can be pretty it literally is air. kind of just a shadow con shadow con God, council, trick play right? uh, like, trick play conspiracy theories out here we're getting real yeah. into it oh yeah but yeah, other than that, but, like you were gonna point out Frank Vitrano, where I, I, to my knowledge, I, I don't know a lot about this Ducks roster. I know, uh, Zegris was having a down year. I know they don't really have a lot of other star talent other than Zegris that would really. Like, I mean, stick the out biggest, to you. the biggest one that I would almost sub out just in terms of like young star talent would be a guy like Mason McTavish. Yeah, um, who's having yeah, exactly. a pretty decent year and has pretty. Uh, Vitrano has surprisingly decent stats. Um for what i would expect not like i've been grinding ducks tape but um yeah a guy like mason mctavish has a higher like points per game number like um so so you kind of look at that and think if there's anybody to represent the ducks like he may be a better choice even if vitrano technically has more points um but um one of the things that that the frank vitrano and elias lindholm picks kind of bring up to me and my biggest kind of thing about this whole all-star selection is I think the NHL is just stupid for making sure every team has a representative. I don't think yeah. that's the right way to do it. No, I don't think that's um, I don't think that's even are... a conversation. I agree with you. I think it's very stupid. I think it's been I think I don't ever know. since they implemented it, it's been a really really crappy change because I understand the the reasoning behind it when they first put it in was that it would up viewership for the All-Star game because each team would have somebody for their respective fan base to cheer on, right? It's that argument. But, and maybe that's the yeah. case. I, I don't know the stats for that. Maybe that is bringing in more people. If it's not, you're just taking away, it's like, 
Are you telling me Frank Petrano just... should be picked as a starter over, like, Leon Dreisaitl or, like, another one of those big names yeah. where, like, it just feels weird to not read them on this list. Like, the only... It's weird because the Pacific is it... Like, you're telling me Frank Vitrano. I'm crapping on him. But, like, are you telling me that's a bigger all-star? Or even, like... Like, it's... Uh... And that brings up... It's not even, like... Yeah, yeah, because it is him stealing spots from guys like Dreisaitl. Or even, like, if you look at Vancouver, where it's, like... Uh, just like how McDavid is is a deserving, obviously deserving for the Oilers, it's like Quinn Hughes is deserving for the Canucks too. He's had a fantastic season, but it also feels wrong to leave a guy like Elias Pettersson off the list. Yeah, no, exactly. Where it feels I think, like if you're actually making that... a Pacific Division All Star team, you leave yeah. off Vetrano and Lindholm and you put in Pettersson and Drysaddle. Like it's just such a no brainer that's like... hampered by this system. Yeah, and it sucks. I I think it really sucks. You it. Because we're not not seeing the best of the best. It allows, in some situations, it allows for players, for example, like, I, I'm sure Bedard would have made it in anyway, but that's one that stuck out to me where, like, he became the youngest all-star this year, but it's almost like, mm, I could see him potentially being close to being near the cuts if they let everybody from, for example, Colorado jump on that horse, right? Like, it's... It's yeah. it's one of those things where it's just, I don't know. It feels kind of weird. It's working out for the NHL in picks like that where, like, a young rookie, they're able to advertise it. Where I'm sure we're going to see tons of photos of Connor Bedard chatting it up with Connor McDavid and uh, Sidney Crosby. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, and that's great for the NHL's branding and all that. But it's just, it's unfortunate a little bit. I mean, like, Leon Dreisaitl, Kale McCarr, all those guys are still going to make it through the fan vote but it still feels odd yeah and at least there's that like at least like a lot of these guys aren't gonna actually get snubbed because yeah. that would be even more of a cause for outrage if they did get snubbed that way um but i don't know like i i do think an all-star game appearance or a pro bowl game a pro bowl um for these players it's not like the idea of, of getting more fans to watch the All-Star game or watch the Pro Bowl, that's always been an issue. And it's not one that's going to be that easily solved by just saying, um, oh, here's a player from your favorite team, go have at her. Like, it, it's a bigger issue than that. And I think it's just taking away the accomplishment that things like this have um, on a player's career. Like, it's a thing to be like, oh, I'm a seven-time Pro Bowler. I'm a seven-time yeah. All-Star. Like, you're just taking away the actual sense of accomplishment from it um, by just giving it to guys willy-nilly because and they're supposed to be the best player on that was the exact argument against, against it when it was implemented, and it just feels very wrong to have it this way. If we want, we can move on to the Central Division, though. I touched on it very lightly yeah. um, with the Connor Bedard pick, but he becomes the youngest NHL All-Star ever. Joining him on this on uh, from the Central Division is Clayton Keller, Nathan McKinnon, Jake Ottinger, uh, Kaprizov. I always forget how to say his name. I always feel bad about that one. Philip Forsberg, Robert Th Robert Thomas, Connor Hellebuck. A lot of good picks here. A lot of very very good players. These are every single player on these on this board feels like an all star, at least to me. Where it's yep. just like uh, I honestly when I I haven't fully taking a look at the other teams that other than the pacific i'm kind of letting it all come to me as we're going here but so far the central looks absolutely stacked connor bedard nathan mckinnon on the ice at the same time holy crap give it to me now but i don't know i don't have a lot of 
bad things to say here. Again, you can just hit on the same conversation we've been having with the Pacific Divi- Division, where it's like, where's Kale McCarr? Where's, hell, another player from the Stars you could bring in, like, uh, Heiskanen. Robert Penn. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's there's a lot of players there who deserve to be here that just aren't because of this rule. And, it, and it's kind of dumb. But uh, it is what it is. I Do you have anything that, is there anything here that really sticks out to you? No, not really. I, I mean, it's the same thing where it's just um, the players that are missing just because of the rule. Um, and they'll get voted in eventually, but it just really doesn't, it doesn't feel complete. I do wonder, um, there's a lot of a lot of goalies even in the, because you got Halibut and you got Ottinger and you got Talbot, right? There's, a, there's already an, an overload of, of goalies, and I mean, I don't know how they're going to divvy it up. Like, are you not allowed to vote any more goalies in for the the western conference because they've already got their three like there's there's only one defenseman per conference you got uh hughes in the west and well there's gonna be so i'm I'm curious what the how that's all gonna i'm curious how the draft's gonna work in this case with four different teams i think that'll be a lot of fun but uh i mean yeah once again the trick play all-star draft will be happening as well with only two teams Maybe we can we can bring another person into it. Maybe who knows? We'll see what happens. You wanna you wanna should we get a could we get a four a four the we, we the first time we bring in one guest and then we bring in <laughs> we bring in and two. we one up it we and then and then, and then guess what's gonna happen when we get to the NFL draft we're gonna bring in thirty. <laughs> you gotta fit thirty people on the screen. One you thought team. you thought my forehead was big. Just wait till you're looking at thirty of them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's going to be exciting. I, I'd i be down to do that. If we can find two people, we'll, we'll have to see how that ends up uh, working out by the time we get there. But uh, anyway, we can move on, I think. I think is that safe to say? Anything yep. else we want to hit on with the Central? No? Okay. Metropolitan yep. Division is where we're going to go next. For okay. this one, we have Sebast- Sebastian Aho. Boone Jenner, Boone Jenner. represents. <laughs> Boone Jenner, which feels... Very strange, and I'm sure we can talk about that. Jack Hughes, Matt Barzell, Chesterkin, Travis. Uh, oh, I always, I don't. Do you know how to say his last name? I, I struggle with that one. Connectney. Connectney. I don't know. Connectney. Connectney. I see that guy's name a lot, but every time I look at it, it's like I never heard it out loud for some reason. Sidney Crosby. I wonder how you pronounce that guy's last name. Tom Wilson. So a lot of interesting ones here, I think. Uh, Tom Wilson making it in. Yeah, that's been that's been a conversation that's been had a little bit. Tom Wilson making it in. Philly. Like, there's a lot of not very good teams in this division. A lot of players make sense. Like, Jack Hughes, obviously. Matt Barzell, obviously. Sidney Crosby, obviously. Like, and then the rest of the team, Shesterkin, again, obviously. But, like, past that, there's a lot of players here who are just kind of... It sticks out to you because you're like, why are they all-stars? You pointed out Boone Jenner right off the drop, right? Like, that's a really that's a really obvious one where I don't I, I'd have to pull up his stats, but it feels odd to have him him representing. It's just because that that Columbus team is terrible. So like like it's it's again like it, it's gonna sound like a broken record, but it's it's the same thing where it's. You shouldn't. Columbus doesn't deserve to have an all-star this year. It's not like John, Johnny Gaudreau is their only all-star, like star-caliber player, but he hasn't played very well, and he doesn't deserve it. 
Um, so, I don't know, is Boon Jenner the best team on the Blue Jackets? I don't know. I mean, again, I haven't been grinding Blue Jackets tape religiously. Because um, they're a terrible team, and they don't deserve to have any All-Stars. Nobody on the Blue Jackets is an All-Star. Which shows when you have to scrounge for guys like Boone Jenner to make the All-Star team. No disrespect to Boone Jenner. Like, I'm... A guy's been in the league for a long time. Like, props to him for making it, and it's a great accomplishment for your career. But it's not like he deserves it. Hey, 18 points in, in 29 games played. That's not the... That's nothing That's special. not the, the, the most impressive. Put I no. don't know. Just put put one of their young guys in there at least. Put in Fantilli or something. And I mean, Cylinder. you're sending I don't you're know. sending your captain. Put in somebody excited. I guess like there's something there maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I agree with you. It's a little odd. That's for sure. Because what is Boone? Is Boone Jenner even a first first line I player? I, would, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Like He's, you said, uh, I have Boone been Jenner is curr- not Boone Jenner missing. is currently eighth in points like is he really on, the, on, the on his jackets? own team wow yeah that... Gaudreau, Wierenski, Fantilli, Marchenko, Provorov Vor, 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 I don't even know how to say that guy's name uh Vorunkov Dan, and Dan Danforth are currently ahead of him wow that's pretty surprising to me to 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 Boone Jenner's credit he has played less games than all of them but still yeah well I mean again most of those names I still wouldn't want on the All-Star game team either. Yeah. Yeah, it's just one of yep. those things. Like, I think we could so really pick, the, pick this apart if we wanted to and, like, just look into, like, even Philly. I feel like you could make the same argument where it's like, like, do you really want Konechny's Konechny? had a good year, though. Has he? Okay. Yeah. I Maybe that's just me not Konechny knowing enough about... 30, I am 30, sorry, Konechny, points, I do not know your game. 30, 35 points in 38 games. Okay. That That is deserving. So, almost at a point. I will, I will happily yeah. bite the bullet on that one. I was wrong. But uh, I will say, Boone Jenner... That's the difference. It's the funny thing where, like, it almost feels like the NHL is trying to do the thing that we all did with the John Scott thing, where it's they're trying to like do it on purpose, where they're sending over a guy who shouldn't be here. But it's like that doesn't that takes away the fun of it. Well, I wanna we want a fan vote t- a funny guy in. <laughs> it does take away the fun of it, and it's also not like Boone Jenner is like like the That's fun, funny. the funny part about John Scott was <laughs> that he like he was, he was literally in the an AHL, AHL when he played. Yeah, yeah. John Scott is a hero. That was. That's the best the All-Star game has ever been. Oh, yeah. It's been no, all I love that year. Because John Scott played fantastic in that game, too. Right? Oh, yeah. He kicked ass. He was, he was, un, he was unironically the MVP. Like, oh, yeah. No, and he deserved it, too. John Scott is an absolute yeah. hero. Just for him. That's the best the All-Star We're game We're using... I'm, I'm throwing him on the screen. If you do not know John Scott's story, yeah, salute the flag here, ladies and gentlemen. Like, John Scott, what a hero. Oh, what a uh, guy. I miss, what a when, guy. I miss that All-Star. That was such a time to be alive. <laughs> that, was a, that was the... Again, I, I broken record. That's the best the All-Star game has ever been. Yep. No, and most, I totally... That's the most excited I've ever been for it. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I totally agree with you. I think that is the best it's been. It that was like the yeah. one that was the year where I got super into it, and then the next year I was a lot less into it. We can move on though. I think yeah. we we've we've beaten up the metropolitan division enough. We can move into the into the second part of the East here in the Atlantic. 
which is headed by David Pasternak, Rasmus Dahlin, Alex Dabrinkit, Sam Reinhart, Nick Suzuki, Brady Kachuk, Nikita Kucherov, Austin Matthews. A lot of very good players there, a lot of very deserving players, but it's, again, the type of thing where it's like, it almost feels like you're just leaving players off because they can't make it. Because, because of how good. Because of how good all these yeah, teams because... are. Most of these teams are really good. Right? Like, that's the tough yeah. thing. So... Honestly, just... the only the only thing I'm surprised at is, is um, not because of the inclusion, uh, just by looking at the stats, but how, how surprisingly good of a season Sam Reinhardt is having. Oh, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, he's having a really 47 good. points in 38 games. He's tearing it up because I'd be I was surprised to not see a guy like Kachuk or Barkov on there, but um he's Well, I know Kachuk's having a bit of a down year as words. well. Well, yeah, Kachuk's having a bit of yeah. a down year. So I think uh I don't know. I guess uh he's just it the pick makes sense is kind of where I was. I lost my train of thought, but I it definitely the pick definitely makes sense in this sense. Yeah. But yeah. I hopefully the rest hopefully of them, we the rest good, of them you can't argue with. Like we were just talking about how the, the All-Star game hasn't been as good. I'm kind of hoping the draft brings it back to that to how good it's been in years past at certain points cuz there's there's certain memories we all have of like the All-Star skills competition and the All-Star games and like uh, that really stick out I'm sure everybody like at least I have a couple personal favorites that I'm sure a lot of people share which John Scott that's a top tier one Corey Perry throwing his glove like stuff like that that really just like stick out to you when you think about it but and it feels like we haven't had yeah. one of those moments in a while so hopefully we get back to that Hopefully this... I think it needed a change, so I'm all for it. Yeah. I am I did like the format they had before, and I do think the player draft is a little bit like... We've, we've talked about this. We had a segment yeah. about this, but I, I, do, I do think it is... Um, I'm not a big fan of the player draft, but I also see where you're coming from in terms of like something needed to spice it up at this point. It had been growing a little bit stale, so I... Uh, while I'm not the biggest personal fan of the player draft as a concept, I welcome the change, and I'm interested to see how it goes. Yep, and I totally agree with you. I think uh, that just about does it. We've gone through every single player. Not a lot of bad ones. It's more just the crappy part about all these players being excluded from the origin from the first naming. That just leaves you kind of scratching your head a little bit on why Leon Dreisaitl, Kale McCarr, Mitch Marner. I could go on and on on why all of these players just didn't make it because their teams are good. Like it feels weird to, it feels weird to penalize teams for being good. I guess that's kind of, it does. It does like where, where we can hit, uh, end it off right there. It feels, it feels like a strange place to just leave it, I guess, where it's like, why, why it it, it, it it also feels weird to have the NHL pick, the starting 32 and then ask the fans to fix their mistakes yeah that, that actually that's a really good way to put it yeah like uh that is a very odd thing because i mean especially after the whole john scott debacle who knows maybe we'll get like i don't know name name me a funny oiler over leon dry that'd be awesome I ryan mcleod ryan yeah. mcleod put get ryan, ryan mcleod in the get game. ryan mcleod in the all-star game spread it around ladies and gentlemen we want ryan mcleod According to my dad, he's been playing very well. 
Oh, okay. Well, then so. that's less funny. Give me a f like. Come on. Send. Uh, Let's well. Um, Ryan, having Ryan McLeod in the All Star game is still funny because there's only so good as. Because my dad, I mean, my dad is a diehard Oilers fan. He's, he's going to hype up anybody who's on the <laughs> Oilers and breathing. I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Um, send when Dan Vladar. Like Zach Cassian in the All-Star game. Yeah, send Dan Vladar. I don't know why. Just do it. It's his last... Because I, I, yeah, it's your, it's this is your one nice thing you'll have, look, Dan Vladar. Because otherwise, you just want to get rid of him so we could bring up Dustin Wolf. You, you, you put him in the All Star about. game. Let him. I don't know what you're talking about. Put him in the All Star game. Parade around in a, um, in a Kill Flames him. jersey for a little bit before you ship him off to like Washington or something. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about at all. Actually, I, that wasn't my plan mm. all along, and definitely not me trying to convince the shadow council to put dan vladar in the all-star game so that his draft stock goes up and doesn't make him look like a goalie who has an 888 save percentage i think it'll work you should take over from craig conroy simon really. i think i should or no no do you think they, i'm marketing they need to well? put you in uh yeah i think so yeah everybody should trade so. for dan vladar trade me your first just do it. If people just stare at this picture of Dan Vladar on the sexy reverse I will say, for long enough, I will say that is a sick photo. <laughs> that is a sick photo. That is a sick photo. It's that just makes those, Dan Vladar look like an elite goalie. God, isn't Dan Vladar the most yeah. elite goalie you've ever seen? You should trade for him. Wow, you really should. You really GMs should. GMs who are definitely watching this. God, everybody yeah. knows that good goaltenders wear number 80. Just trade for him. Come on, Steve. Come on, Stevie. Why? <laughs> you know you want Vladar. Wouldn't you love? Wouldn't you love to see a good old buddy Dan in some red and white, but a different red and white this time? Yeah, different red and white. Damn right. Okay. Anyway, coming up next, NBA. So in NBA news, the biggest news of the week was the Raptors making some moves now. Obviously, we're a long way removed from 2019. They're not winning another championship anytime soon. And we're kind of seeing them start to rebuild, tear down the roster, get rid of some of their big pieces. There's been rumors about a Siakam trade, but the big domino that fell before those rumors was the trade of OG Anubi, uh, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn, most notably Anubi, to uh, the Knicks for RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Qu Quickly, and a second-round pick. Um, obviously a, a sign of kind of where the Raptors are going. Um, and we've, we've seen it kind of work out as a little bit of a win-win. Both teams have been playing well since, um, players have swapped sides, but what's your kind of initial reaction been to this trade, Simon? And, and what do you think well, about it for the Raptors and for the next? Well, I, I, like most people thought RG, RJ Barrett would be a lot better coming into the NBA and he just hasn't shown it. Like, he's been good at points, bad at others, and uh, I I don't hate it because you're sending a Canadian player back to Canada. Maybe that does a little bit to spark their want to be better, and maybe he turns into something good for Toronto. As for the Knicks, they're getting a really good wing defender in Ananobi. That's what he was for the Raptors, and I'm sure he'll continue to be that for the Knicks. So if, you're, if I'm looking at it on both sides, I don't think, like you said, both teams are honestly winning this one a little bit. Like, it's... It's not really a bad pickup from either squad. You're kind of just swapping two players that you're just hoping are going to excel on both sides, for both sides. 
Like, so I, I can't say I'm mad at it. If I was a Raptors fan, I don't think I'd be mad at it. If I wasn't a Raptors fan, which I'm not, I wouldn't be mad at it either. Like, I think it's it's a win-win is kind of where I'd land on it. Yeah. And it's the, it's the kind of thing you had to do to, um, to rebuild a franchise, right? Because if you're looking at... Because before tonight, where it's looking like the Raptors are going to lose to the... Um, why is Siri popping up there? Get out of there, Siri. Uh, yeah. Yeah, don't 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 interrupt me, Siri. There we go. Um anyways, um before tonight where the Raptors look like they're kinda gonna get shut out by the Kings, um they had won a couple games in a row with Quickly and Barrett on their team, and I don't think the Knicks have lost since they made this trade either. So it does look like a win-win. And for the Raptors, you're kind of just trying to get a little bit um, younger, right? Um, quickly being a first-round pick in the 2020 draft, he's only 24 years old and has played um, pretty well for the Raptors so far in the games that he's played. He put up 28 against the Cavs. Uh, oh, no, he didn't. Sorry, that's minutes. He put up 14 against the Cavs. Put up 26 <laughs> against the Grizzlies. I was, like, I was like, ooh, those look like really good numbers. Um, um, only 10 against the Kings, so a little bit of a down night, but um, has flashed some potential so far. Um, I think it'll be... Um, I think it's the exact kind of trade that both teams need to make, because obviously the Knicks, the Knicks are a lot more of an, in a win-now mode, and the Raptors are in a... that's a retool for the future. And somebody like Quickly um, provided potentially a piece um, of that being a first-round talent in the past and a guy like R.J. Barrett kind of being a potential reclamation project. Um, it seems like it'll work out, and I think it'll be interesting to see where things go in terms of a potential Siakam trade down the line um, for the Raptors, because that's kind of seems to be where things are going. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, one team's getting young, one team's getting better, and I think that's exactly how I describe this trade. I, I think if I'm the Raptors... I definitely like it. Like you said, you're getting quickly as a talented guy. I was kind of worried about it at first for them when his tweet came out where it looked like he was responding. He found out about the trade on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if you heard about that, Caleb, where like, I don't no. remember what he said. I, I'm sure I can bring it up. I'm going to take this off the screen so that I can go find it. But it quickly, quickly was rather shocked to find out that he had been traded to Toronto. And uh, I think that knowing the past of players uh, not wanting to play here, I mean, or not wanting to play up in Toronto, it's not something that uh, it's not something that would have been that shocking, I guess, if he had not necessarily wanted to play here. Yeah. Give me a minute. I'm looking for it. Caleb Stall. <laughs> Oh wow! It. I know so much about basketball. Um, yeah, I'm finding it. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think the you can um, thank uh, you the, can the big shout out of, clutch points. Oh, there we go. That's the we got the tweet. We got the tweet. <laughs> it's a little blurry on my screen. Hopefully, it's not that blurry. <laughs> but it was. Oh it my! Was, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Where it's just, it looked like he was responding to it on Twitter. Which I think is not a good sign when you're trading for a player. When that player goes, oh, I was traded. Well, live on the internet, probably not a good thing. But it looked, it's looked nope. like, like you said, he has been pretty good for the Raptors. 
hopefully um, he continues to be good for the Raptors. Um, I don't know. I don't have too much to say on this, honestly. Like, uh, I think you hit on it really well on just the fact that one team that needs to get young is getting younger. One team that needs to get better is getting better. And uh, I think Ananobi is one of those guys who can really help any team just with how good of a just defensive forward he is. You're also bringing on another uh, another really good forward in, or I believe he plays power forward or center in Precious Achua. And uh, Flynn has been good at points for the at points for the Raptors. I I don't think you can be mad at it if you're either team. I think both yeah. teams are just getting better from this one. Nothing too controversial. Uh, to to your point about Enderby being a great um, defensive player, um, I got a stat here that he is plus seventy four in the one hundred and six minutes he's played as a New York Nick, which is the highest plus minus for any NBA player. Wow. in history for the first three games for his franchise. So, Holy. Uh, and he, and obviously, he pretty good Obviously, start. it's turning out pretty well. And and it is kind of like, a, that. also, there's the side of it in terms of the Raptors getting younger and the um, Knicks getting better, like you phrased it. It's also just in terms of what they need, because the Raptors needed a little bit more of a, a retooled offense um and quickly kind of providing that whereas the the Knicks needed a little bit more help on the the defensive side of the ball and ball and I think um each player kind of just fits in a little bit better into their new system than they did their old system and it provides a little bit more of like a skill set difference because I don't think the talent gap is all that big between um the players that were swapped here there yeah. there obviously is one but it's not the biggest it's just about where those well, talents lie and how those kind of match up like you can uh, you can yeah. sit here and go OG is gonna give you exactly what OG has given you for the last couple seasons, and you don't necessarily have that with players like RG Barrett, and uh, I I mean it works out how it works out right like uh, with those younger guys you never know what they'll develop into but so far it's looked good for the Raptors and it's looked good for the Knicks so. But then again, like you said, only three games gone since this trade happened. So a lot can happen for the rest of the season. We never, You never really know. By the time this episode could come out, we could end up looking stupid for saying both teams won this. But We'll see. We'll see. It, see. it is the kind of thing that you have to watch play out over a season. That's, yep. that's going to be the biggest thing. Yep, for sure. Especially in a sport like basketball. I feel like we're just basically stalling on this one. <laughs> we're, we're spinning in the water a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I think we kind of hit on hit on it a little bit too early, but we still hit on it nonetheless. Very much win-win trade. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into Trick Play this week. If you liked what you saw, like we mentioned at the start of the episode, make sure to check out our YouTube page, our Instagram page, TikTok, Twitter, um, and then if you are on any of those platforms and don't know where to find us in an audio format make sure that you check us out over on the Fresh Take Network. Um, I can't do the normal thing because we got a shout-out to our Twitter. Oh, wait, now I can. Boom. Wrong corner. <laughs> Wrong Boom. corner. I nailed it that time. Pointed right at uh, that light switch. I know where to put that finger. We're good to go. <laughs> there we go. And uh, I had such a good streak. I, I know. You were streak. killing it for a while there. You were doing better than I was. I was. I was. that. That's embarrassing. Yeah. I can I can start a new streak though. That's okay. You should be ashamed. I should be ashamed. Okay. I should be. Uh, speaking of who needs to be shamed this week, um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna continue. I don't know if I was negative last week or not. I don't remember if I gave a good shout out or not. But I'll. I feel like I'm normally more negative than not. But I don't care because it's more fun. Um, I'm gonna my anti shout out of the week to uh, David Tepper, owner of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, not only has he been a absolutely terrible owner of this team and just completely micromanaged everything into the ground. And um, there's the whole thing about when he fired Frank Reich, he didn't want, he excluded certain reporters from the press conference, which is just, yeah, I don't know, buddy. Like, maybe just, yeah, there's some, some owners are a little bit too hands-on, and Tepper is clearly one of them. And it's not working. Panthers are 2-14, and 14 and very clearly the worst team in the league with not a lot of, po- of a positive future. And... Tepper is clearly starting to realize that as his most recent outburst shows. Um, it was in the last game against the Jacksonville Jaguars with the Jaguars playing CJ Beathard at quarterback with Trevor Lawrence out. So very, as bad as the Panthers are, it's not not an unwinnable game, but the CJ Beathard-led Jaguars just smoked them. I believe it's 26 to nothing. The Panthers played terribly. And so how does David Tepper respond to this? If you are a normal, empathetic human being, what you could probably do is just take the loss and move on. It's a lost season. You already know this. Just move on with your life. Try to retool through the draft. Whatever. This season isn't for you. But David Tepper has, is so fed up with the team at this point that what he decides to do in his little owner's box there's in Jacksonville, there's some Jags fans that are out talking trash and he decides at the end of the game that he's going to take his half-drunken beer that's full of probably backwash and ice and all the all the nasty things. Backwash, um, and ice, just everything nice. Yeah. Chuck, chucks it at the fan. Douses the fans in front... Douses the Jacksonville fans in front of him um, with a cup of beer. Um, so for that absolutely classless move, and to the NFL for only finding this multi-billionaire... Um, three hundred thousand dollars for that. Like, come on, you can do better. Three hundred thousand dollars is literally like a penny for this man, and that 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 just can't go um, unexcused. Like, what are you doing? Throwing drinks at opposing fans at games is just not something you can do. So, screw you, David Tepper. You get my anti shout out of the week. I'm so sorry, Panthers fans. Yeah, I mean. Uh... <laughs> that is bad. <laughs> there's, there's not much, uh, there's not much ways to dance around that one. <laughs> that is bad. I yeah. mean, I'm surprised he only got fined three hundred thousand. You think is he getting banned from like going and watching any of these games for no. a bit? No. Oh no. Nope. There's absolutely no repercussions other than the three hundred thousand dollar fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's really odd. That's for sure. Yeah. I. uh... I have a good shout out this week, thankfully, to balance it out. Oh, yeah. That, uh, yeah. We, I already mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but I'll mention it one more time just for the people in the back who didn't hear me say it the first time. Uh, we're going to be having our first guest on next week, which is very exciting. We're gonna, he's going to be coming on to talk about the Flames. Uh, we're going to have Anand on. You might know him from Flames Twitter. This is a photo of, because I went on his show and chatted about the Flames with him, and he's going to be returning the favor coming over here. And talking about the Flames with us. And we're going to 
see what ends up happening next week. If uh, something big happens, like if uh, if a big trade happens, which some Flames fans seem to believe something might be coming this week, then we'll come on and chat about that. If not, we'll just talk about the Flames overall. It's been a minute since we've done a really overall. They've got an, they've had an interesting season, so I'm excited to chat about it with uh, and just have our first guest on. This is exciting. We're going up in the world, Caleb. Oh, we are. Absolutely. Look at us go. Look at us go. Twenty it only took twenty seven episodes in. We're I we're know. at a good pace. I was about to say I was about to say it's the twenty seven everybody knows it's the twenty seventh episode when you truly peak. Like it's that number when you really, really become a true podcaster. Once you well, reach twenty seven, you're well, good. Well, I think I think it's the it's the twenty eighth episode that we're gonna peak with our first guest episode. That's and then true. it'll then it'll be all downhill from there. That that's an absolutely so, good point. If you want to if you wanna watch us peak, um yeah tune in next week yeah no dead on exactly and uh i mean you hit on all the all the big points right off the top and make sure to check us out everywhere that you can because we i've been trying pretty hard lately to make sure that we get a lot of act act just putting as much things on all of our platforms we've been trying to bring in as many new viewers as possible because we want as many people to be able to have just enjoy whatever the hell we do here along with us it's been a hell of a ride so far make sure to check out next week we'll have a big episode coming up so uh yeah stay tuned for that